Uh, is that your cat? That is actually my wife. I just heard a meow. Oh, it was your wife? Yeah, she was uh, She was talking to the cat. Oh. Uh, Brian Cage, we're recording this on a Thursday evening. I'm 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 locked in the pod closet. I don't know if you knew I record my, these podcasts in a closet now. Wow. I mean the acoustics are a little better. You don't have all that echoey of being in a big room. And also for a while I was recording in the living room, which meant that I would threaten my children in a parental in a nice parental way, not in like a a violence kind of way, but if you come downstairs, so help me God. That's the threat. I never put anything at the end of that. So help me God. You know, pair. You've been around parents, Brian. You have parents. I had. You hear I, those things. I, I got a couple. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure that. I'm sure that you heard even worse than that too. Um, and my wife would you. stay upstairs and she would watch Hulu and stuff, and I would be downstairs just controlling the house. But I decided, you know, I'm going to record in the closet. Anyway, it's Thursday. That's when we're recording this. By. You sent me a pretty cryptic message earlier today. What what? How do you envision yourself a week from right now? Um, a week from right now, I envision myself um, passed out in a recliner in a coma that is some combination of uh, turkey tryptophan and either beer or brown liquor. Hey, let's go for both. <laughs> <laughs> It's gonna be it's gonna be wonderful. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. I like it. I mean, uh, Christmas is great. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for gifts and family, celebrating the birth of Jesus. I'm all for that stuff. But Thanksgiving just holds a fondness in my heart. It seems like a much more relaxing holiday than Christmas. It uh, it always every year on Thanksgiving, I always think of a Jim Gaffigan bit. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the one where um, you don't stop eating because you're full? You stop eating because you hate yourself. That's actually another comedian who um, has done that is some Jim things. Gaffigan. I thought that was uh, Louis C.K. No, that is that is Jim is it, Gaffigan. Jim Gaffigan no. talks about eating until you hate yourself. Louis C.K. just talks about generally hating yourself. And that's that's fair. we're not going into maga comedy hour <laughs> let's not um no the gaffigan bit is talking about um you know on thanksgiving it's not like we didn't even try to come up with a tradition the tradition is we just overeat it's like you know well what if like on thanksgiving we just eat a lot and you know it's like well we do that every day <laughs> yeah but what if we do it with people that annoy the hell out of us that's that's fair <laughs> No, that's a fair <laughs> assessment. We have a long history in my family whenever we would celebrate. Like as a kid, my sister and I, we didn't really go to family members' houses for holidays. We would just kind of, you know, bunker down and stay home. And it was the four of us. We never had really like pets. It was just the four of us. We never had family over. It was just the four of us at home. My wife or my, my, wife, my mother, she would, well, that's Freudian slip. My mother mm. would, um, <laughs> she would make the turkey make all the food all day, get everything ready for us. And then something would happen at dinner that would just trigger my mom. She would just get so pissed off at something. And there was at least once a holiday, it felt like she would say, you ruined Thanksgiving, usually to my father. <laughs> For one, one example, one year we were eating Thanksgiving dinner and my dad was doing something to make my sister laugh. And this is when she was probably a teenager. I'm saying she was probably 13 and I was 11. And my dad made her laugh so much that she squirted milk out of her nose. And my mom got so pissed off. And she, rightfully so. I've spent nights at home cooking dinner. And then my kids act a fool. They don't want to eat it and I get upset. Imagine Thanksgiving dinner every year. And then that year when the milk came out, she was just... It's been 20 years since that happened. We still talk about it every holiday. We're going to talk about it next week, I'm sure. We're going to bring up the milk spewing out of my sister's nose. My mom just getting pissed, and that's Thanksgiving to me. That is well, Thanksgiving. I'll try not to piss your mom off this year. Oh yeah! Uh, by the way, Brian and me is going on location. Just kidding. We're not recording next week. But Brian and your your beautiful wife Alyssa are going to be coming to my sister's house. We're going to have a big old friendsgiving slash Thanksgiving. 
I'm I'm pretty excited for it. Going to be great, man. A lot of a lot of food, a lot of fellowship, fun. Good time will be had by all. All the Fs. We're going to give a lot of Fs next week. Um, what do you have like your own Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving, your favorite Thanksgiving story, I should say, because I can say whole sentences. What's your favorite Thanksgiving story? Ooh, um, I don't know. I, I can't really think of like a particular, particularly memorable, like Thanksgiving. Like my family is uh, where I grew up. Most of my family is right there in the area. So our our family Thanksgivings were like. 30, 40 people strong Dang. with like food. It just as far as you can, you know, every little family unit would bring like a dish or two and, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're Southern. So it's not only like the, what, you know, normal people have on Thanksgiving, but it's like, you know, there might be like collard greens or there's, you know, there's going to be ham and Turkey. There's going to be, you know, fry. Somebody might bring a you know thing of fried chicken. Like you never know what somebody's <laughs> going to show up with on Thanksgiving. Um, and then it, then it's usually a lot of like just sitting around, all hating ourselves. Everybody kind of takes a nap. Um, people sneaking out to the car to get drinks so that you know certain people in the family don't know that we're all drinking. And <laughs> then. Um, and then usually we wake up and eat leftovers again. Right. Like are they leftovers at that point if it's the same day? Well, we've never we at that point we've not put them away unless it's oh, something okay. unless it's something that's you know, like gonna spoil. Like I'm not gonna right. eat you know, deviled eggs that have been sitting out like all day or something. Ugh. That's probably gonna end end poorly. <laughs> but <Right. sighs> that sounds great. That sounds like a good time, man. It, it sounds like you know Thanksgiving anything goes, uh, kind of like King of the Ring. That's what Royal Rumble. That's what it sounds like. Oysters. Oysters. Oh, that's a very southern thing. Particularly Florida. Um, my dad, his girlfriend. That's what their family does. Is like while the food is cooking, they'll hang out in the backyard with like a bushel of oysters. And, uh, you know, you can eat them raw, like I like them raw, or you can, you know, steam them. Uh, yeah, slurp them up with some, you know, on a, put them on a cracker with some hot sauce or some uh, horseradish, crack oh, open man. a beer. It's a good time. I'm sorry, we're not going to have any of that um, next week. But we'll have the, the merriment, and um, we'll have the drinks. It'll It'll be great. Looking forward That's... to it. As you should. Speaking of, it's going to be great. Let's go ahead and get this podcast going. We got a hiatus next week, so we got to make this one extra good. So you think about it for a couple weeks. So Boom. let's just we're we're gonna get right into it. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Bryant and Me, where we talk about soccer and other things. Other debatey things tonight. Brian is going to share about his heel turn in the world of Premier League soccer, as he is now supporting the chosen one. Yes, Jose Mourinho. I can't wait to unpack that one. Can't wait. Oh, I can't because even your demeanor now—you don't sound nearly as depressed as usual. We're going to discuss our thoughts on the freshly completed. Democrat presidential debate. We're going to talk a little bit about the impeachment because yesterday was a pretty busy day with the impeachment and with uh, the Democratic debate all on the same day. So we're going to get a lot of impeachment going and impeachments come from a can. They're put put there by a man. In a factory downtown. In a White House down the street. We're going to get to that later. Don't worry. And then we're going to finish off today with a word association game Ooh. where we're going to hear the real thoughts of Brian Caves. I'm going to give him a name and he's going to think of one word that comes to his mind immediately. And we're going to see what his initial thoughts are about some, some names that have hit the news as of late. But we're going to start our night off, your day off, whenever you're listening to this, with what Brian won't stop dreaming about. 
Ah. And that's Jose Mourinho. So, Brian, what, what happened with Tottenham over the last few days? So, uh, I believe it was today's Thursday. I believe it was Tuesday afternoon. And it's the international break. Yeah, this is the international break. So, we really, there was no real soccer that we watched. No. No, it was Euro qualifiers and, you know, nobody really cares. <sighs> yeah, watching people, you know, watching England beat up on, like, Montenegro or something. It's like, yeah, I'm good. Um, so... All of a sudden, I see Twitter just going absolutely nuts. Um, I'm at work, you know, should be working, but it took a few minutes. Um, and I'm seeing thing, people talking about Pochettino. So I'm like, okay, did he have an interview? Like, what's going on? And turns out that Tottenham decided that they were going to make a change at the uh, at the managerial position. To use the uh, the phrase used by our uh, English brothers and sisters, uh, they sacked. Uh, Mauricio Pochettino sacked he was sacked and honestly at the time I was shocked like I I I didn't think it wasn't ever going to be a possibility at some point even during the season right I I kind of thought if it was going to happen during the international break it would have happened early in the break right not late in the week right before a match again and what is you know a, a rivalry game i mean every game's important right now for us but you know right. it's a it's it's a rivalry game and west ham's you know london it's a derby derby <laughs> however you want to say it um and so i just i couldn't believe it um i thought that he was going to leave people thought that i was a little jumpy the gun whenever i said he was going to leave in january I thought he was going to go, and then I thought he was going to voluntarily just kind of leave, and people thought, well, that's pretty soon. But then when they fired him, I I mean, you shared it with me. I saw it all over the internets, and I thought, this is a pretty rough time to be firing your manager when you're 14th place. You're closer to relegation than you are to Europe, and you've got players that felt like really liked Pochettino. It felt like they were a club that had even guys that were rumored to leave all the time. It seemed like Kane always had rumors to leave. Erickson had rumors to leave. I've even seen, and not post-Poch leaving, but I've seen rumors about Sun leaving. So their big players had kind of the mark on them of going to bigger clubs around Europe. I'm not saying Tottenham's a small club, but sure. whenever Real Madrid comes calling, it's hard for you know a guy like Harry Kane to say no to opportunities like that. So whenever they heard Poch was out, I was like, oh my gosh, this is probably not the best thing to do at this point because you want your team on the field to not react and I didn't think it was a situation like some managers which is funny I say this some managers their players will stop playing for them and they try to get their manager fired and I never thought they would do that to Pochettino but I think at least I think at least some on the team had I think I think there's some but yeah I, I no, I think I think there's certain firing guys firing him. They, this was definitely what happens next. It's it was all definitely part of a plan. I think um, you yes. weren't going to fire him at this point unless you had what happened next already locked up in the holster. You know, yeah. already locked up in the magazine. Say what you will about uh, Daniel Levy. Um, I don't think he's a particularly great leader of an organization, but he's not a dumb man, right? <laughs> Nobody's ever accused him. P- people have accused him of a lot of things, being cheap, being, you know, not wanting to spend money. No one's ever accused the man of being dumb. So I don't think so he other would. people spending his money. Yeah. Right. Which is what I... we all love to do, spend rich people's money. Absolutely. I don't think he, I agree. He would not have fired Pochettino if he didn't have a plan in place. And boy, did he have a plan in place. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, uh, you know, it, it, had, and it had kind of been rumored for the last probably few weeks that if Potch were to leave at some point, that Spurs really would be interested in Jose Mourinho. The thought was, would Jose Mourinho be interested in Spurs? Like he does. We don't. Jose Mourinho, no manager in in European history has had their club spend more money for them than Jose Mourinho. Right. I saw that stat, too. One name that I didn't see on that list was Jurgen Klopp. Anyway, continue. And so, you know, it was like, okay, we're Spurs. We're not exactly a team that tends to spend the big bucks. Um, 
And so would he want that move? Levy has, you know, has supposedly coveted um, Mourinho since he's been in the club. I mean, which has been 15 years. I mean, he wanted, he liked Mourinho back before he was at Chelsea and before he was at, you know, some of these other bigger clubs back when he was at Porto. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think he was going to jump at the opportunity to bring somebody like that in somebody, obviously who is, who's won things. I think their thought is, all right, Pochettino has kind of got this team. He's got these guys developed, but the idea is, all right, can Mourinho get them to that next level, right? The, the level right. of, uh, he's won everywhere he's been, um, with the, there's ex- the formula. Yeah. Um, can he get the the team to that next level? Um, now, whether it's going to work out or not, we'll see. I'm I'm excited only in the sense of I think it, I think something needed to change at some point. Right. Whether it was whether it was players or whether it was the coach, whatever we were doing wasn't working. Um, if Poch- if there there are rumors that Pochettino basically said that he was going to be on the way out anyway. If that, if that was the case, then I have no problem letting him go. Right. Um, If his heart's not in it, then, you know, you don't want him there. Um, Hearing Jose's name, I, you see that name a lot, right? It is a rumor mill type name. So whenever I saw Tottenham with Jose, I was like, eh, okay, whatever. You know, this is not, I didn't think it was really, really going to happen. And um, little did I know when it came out, it was, I I talked about the formula. Everybody was excited, by the way, whenever it seemed like most people, even some of these Spurs fan accounts, people are screenshotting old tweets and they're saying tweets like, oh, I'll never like a Mourinho led club and Mourinho is awful for the game and stuff. And then those same people, they're just, they like getting attention. They want the notifications. It's like, oh, Mourinho's in. We're going to do this, that, and the other. There's definitely a formula with Mourinho. If you follow him over the last, even just the last six years or so, he'll go into a club. That first year, they'll pretty much stay consistent, maybe a little uptick. It's the second year yep. they usually sees that team get a bump. They get a big bump. They'll move up. Even whenever he was with Manchester United, he didn't get them to a point where they you know, won the Premier League because at that point, Man City and Liverpool had been had kind of started separating themselves. But if you look at his first full season at Man Man U to a second, the amount of points that he raised the team up is, is there, just like it was when he was at Chelsea. Didn't and didn't just they like, finish second in the league the year? Uh, was it the year Chelsea? Won, the year somebody won, they finished second in the league while right, Mourinho they, was there. So they they weren't. They weren't ever out of it. And, I mean, right. they went to the Europa League and they won the Europa League too. So they didn't – they were still successful with him, not to the point that he wants to be successful. He wants to win the Premier League. That's his focus. Sure. But what happens is that third season, after they've reached their kind of peak, you kind of, it's like a roller coaster. It goes up the hill a little slow. Two years is a little slow. But for him, he wins so much that it's clicking, clicking, clicking. Then when you get to the end of season two – that's usually when the roller coaster starts heading down and the clicking stops and then the players stop playing for him. I mean, the year after he won the title with Chelsea, he got fired because they were close to the relegation zone. Right. And then amazingly enough, whenever he left, the players started playing so well. He's not a guy that his players seem to like in the long term, which Pochettino, he's been with Tottenham since 2014, since you... I mean, you came into the club with Pochettino as the manager. Pochettino is the only manager, and I've and I'm spoiled. I get that. I've only been around for the the Tottenham kind of at their most recent peak. So, mm-hmm. but he, he didn't he didn't win you a trophy. He did, did stop two St. Totteringham's days. He did get them above Arsenal two consecutive seasons in a row, which if you look at their history. That hadn't happened since 1994. Right. So he, from tw- almost 18, or yeah, 2016 was the year, back to 1994. And about 18 years, Arsenal had bested Tottenham every year. And he he, he got this team. He, I mean, he got them to a Champions League final. 
but it's just so amazing that he gets him to a Champions League final, a guy that seems to be really loved and admired at the club. And then what is it? Six months later, he's out the door. Yeah, it's sports are a crazy thing, man. It's, yeah. you, you know, you one minute you're on top of the world, the next minute it's all gone to hell. You know, I think. Especially in England, especially in European soccer. Yeah. And that's one thing I think that I'm still getting used to in the sport is, is in the NFL or, you know, in sports that we're used to, man, they'll give you all kind of time. Hugh Jackson. Com- yeah. Compared to uh, Marvin Lewis <laughs> was with the Bengals for 20 years. It felt like um, in England, man, they're ruthless. It's like in European sports in general, they're like, you're not getting it done. Bye. <laughs> I mean, if, if Tottenham were to, if Levy were to have his team go from the Premier League to the Championship, that is hundreds of millions of dollars they're losing. Oh, yeah. They have I mean, a brand new nice stadium. That becomes a, an NFL stadium if that happens. Right. No, absolutely. Um, they've you can't invested, afford to do it. They've invested so much money. No, you had you had to you had to make a change. And ultimately, you can't fire the players, right? You can sell players and you can bring in players, but you can't fire the players. No. So, and he's not going to fire himself. So, yeah. you know, what else do you do? I mean, I'm not happy about it. I, I wanted I wanted it to work because I love Mauricio Pochettino. I think he's I think a likable he's, guy. I think he's a stand-up guy. I think the players, at least some of the players, really had a lot of respect for him. And I think all of them did to an extent. I think it's just gone downhill um, recently. I, You know, great guy, good person, really seems to be really seem to love the club seeing his reactions when we, you know, with the comeback against Ajax and that video, I've seen that video uh, probably 50 times on my Twitter feed over the last few days, seeing him running across the field in tears when they, you know, at the end of that comeback against Ajax, when we qualified for the final, yeah. um, I'm getting slightly emotional talking about it right now. Like I loved that man. I mean, as mm-hmm. much as I can love a person that I don't know, right. but at the same time, I think I think it had to change. Yeah, well, that's a good that's a good segue because you talk about all these positive things about how much of a light he was for the club and how respected he was. To um, this is your Hulk Hogan bash at the beach NWO heel turn. This is you ripping off that Hulkamania shirt, seeing that black and white NWO, and now you're you're all aboard team special one you're all aboard jose because jose is not world uh, renowned for being a really likable guy and being a really emotional guy i mean in the couple days that he's been there he's already had two quotes first one with the champions league about how do you feel how do you feel about you know the team are they still affected by losing a champions league and his response was well i've never lost a champions league final (laughs) <laughs> and then they bring up the well whenever you were Chelsea you said that you would never go to Tottenham to manage because of the Chelsea fans and his reply was well that was before they sacked me so Jose is already out there he has more sound bites as a Tottenham manager in the last two days than Pochettino has in five years and I've I've and I've told you in the past that you know I've talked about Mourinho over the past because I know you hate him. I know you hate his guts. I don't, I don't hate his guts. If anything, I res- It's kind of that respect that you have for somebody who does really well, and you wish that they wouldn't because you want your team to do really well. Right. Of course. I love uh, seeing the fall, though. I hate the, the winning the, years. I love seeing the fall. I love that Liverpool beat them last season to even fire him. I love the fall. That's so right. much fun. If they didn't have the fall, if he was just a dominant manager, I would hate his guts. But you, you can't help but respect the guy for what he can do. Although the players, you know, in year three, I don't know how much they respect him. I mean, how, how long is it before Harry Kane gets caught crying on camera because Jose insults him at practice or something? We'll see. Um, you know, I'm, I'm all in right now, uh, you know, cause I, I think to an extent I have to be like, what am I, what am I going to do? 
You know what I mean? Oh, this guy sucks. I'm not watching it again. You know what I mean? It's like at some point. You can I'm, listen to your heart and come join Liverpool. You have a manager that people love. You have a team that's a, a team full of world-renowned athletes. I, It's right there. And if Son comes to Liverpool. And Thomas, <laughs> you know how bad for my brand it would be to actually be happy about something on a consistent basis? This, this right now is making me slightly sick that I'm... Smiling. I can even I can hear the smile in your voice. I was just about to say that. Smiling, talking about Spurs is making me feel kind of. It feels wrong. Um, but no, I I've always found Mourinho really entertaining, just from a character standpoint. I. It's funny that you talked about the Hulk Hogan heel turn because that's what I think of him as. Really is I think of him as like a great you know pro wrestling heel right like Ric Flair or, mm-hmm. you know some of those guys from back in the day that would tell you how great they were and they weren't they they didn't care if you liked them because they were the best and they were going to let you know that they were the best right and so that's what I've now when we start you know when the eventual breakdown starts and the and the losing starts and he's still being that. Um, cocky and arrogant. Am I going to hate his guts? You better believe I will. <laughs> um, I will turn on him real quick. But, you know, right now we're still in that honeymoon phase, right? The He's saying all the right things, you know, that he's excited right. to be here and he's got a good squad and he's going to show passion and he's learned, he's taken to, this is the first time he's been away from the sport for any extended period of time. So he's had some time to self-reflect and learn from some mistakes he's made and Right. So he's he's but I also know Jose is going to be Jose, Uh, you know, he's going to he's going to rub people the wrong way. There's people in our fan base that are talking about, oh, I'm you know, I I don't know if I can support the team anymore and they can get out, whatever. But I mean, if they score three points, I mean, if they get three points uh, this weekend's match, you're going to hear less and less about that. Beat West Ham, beat West Ham, and you and they'll be fine. I mean, you're gonna have a. I think you're gonna have more people at the Columbus Spurs watch party with Jose around. If only for the entertainment value. Right. I mean, this this may it may not work. He may not be here a year from now. Who knows? But it's it's gonna be damn entertaining, <laughs> regardless of what happens. If he's gone in a year, they have not had a good end of the season. What do you think is gonna happen? Where do you think Tottenham falls this season? In the table, I think this is gonna reinvigorate some of the players. I mean, I'm not. We're not talking. I'm not talking top four even. Really, I just. I think we've got a pretty big hole, and I, mm-hmm. short of us maybe making some moves. You know, if we make some moves at the deadline, could we sneak into the you know Arsene Wenger special <laughs> in that uh, that fourth place spot? it's not out of the realm of possibility. I don't think it would happen barring something crazy happening. Um, I think we'll move up. I think we'll finish kind of mid table six, seven, eight. It would surprise me if we qualified for Europe anywhere next year. Right. Um, But I think we'll show, I think we'll show improvement. I don't think you're going to see the um, listless stuff that we've had just because I don't think Mourinho Mourinho's not going to tolerate that. No. But also, if the results don't go his way, it'll, he's, it, he's going to go on the offensive. It'll turn ugly. It'll, it can turn ugly real quick. If he's, if he's winning, you love him because he's a winner and he brings that winning mentality. Right. The minute you start losing, it's going to go downhill real quick. He's, you've been used to watching Pochettino and his team's for years, they talked about how these guys needed to have so much fitness because they run so much, they move so Absolutely. much, they they push it so much. You're not going to have that with Jose. No, this is going to be a completely different club. You're going to see, especially in 14th place right now. I wouldn't be shocked if you watch this team because Jose will bring them out there like a team fighting relegation. He will bring them out there with with that bus parked in the back. And you're just going to look for opportunities. He's opportunistic, and not just off the pitch, but on it too. His his the way he yeah. plays, and he does it well. I mean that that's how he can come back like this. But I think 
Do I think he's going to win them the league? No, not this year, especially. No. But even next year? I I don't think so. I think Jose is becoming, this might be the start of him becoming more of a caricature of an amazing manager and somebody who keeps being brought back more for saving teams from relegation. He's going to be the next Sam Allardyce. I, I tweeted that jokingly from the account the other day, but if this is when he comes into teams, no offense, but he went from Chelsea, he went to Man United, now he's going to Tottenham. In terms of clubs with money and history and sure. prestige, he's kind of he's kind of moving down the ring of the ladder. Sure. No, I and, and, I don't... and that's nothing against Tottenham. That's nothing against, but they're not Chelsea and Man United. I'm no, of course. You know me. I'm pretty realistic. I I, I understand. I'm not rooting for um, Real Madrid here, nor would I want to. Um, I I like that to an extent about our club, but that we're not that because how much fun is that i mean it's fun to win of course it is but at the same time like everybody here you know especially in the states right because in in england it's it's so regional like you're from north london or your dad's from north london so you're a spurs fan or you're from manchester so you're a united fan or you were or you're 12 years old so you're, you're a man city fan um so it's like but here, you know, we picked our team, some of us, by completely arbitrary right. means, right? Like, oh, hey, I like that team. Cool. Let's go. Um, no connection to it whatsoever. So, um, you know, I picked the team for a reason. I didn't want to pick a, a Real Madrid or, a, you know, somebody like that. That's, so what's the fun of that? Where's the journey? Like, I'm, I'm here for the journey. You just hate yourself. You there's shouldn't that, do that. There's that, too. There's there's certainly an element of that. I don't I I deny myself happiness. Speaking of denying folks happiness, this is a by the way, this is a story that will be unpacked a lot over the the next what five months of the or six months that the season has left. We've still got a lot of football to play, and December's got a lot of points to yes. rack up. So you could have one good month, and it all turns around. We're we're three points out of fifth place. Get some, get some. Speaking of getting some, there is a lot of some being gotten in Washington D.C. because it's it's a busy politics time. It's real busy. We're going to talk about the debate in a few minutes, but um, there's a lot of impeachment talk going on. A whole bunch. Oh, yesterday especially was the big day. It was the big day where they had on. Uh, they had at the Capitol some, some, some of the more the bigger names, the names that the Republicans were trying to bring in to, kind of change the tide of the. Change the tide of the arguments because so far it's been. Bringing somebody in, Democrats bringing them in. Pretty much showing proof that, Trump requested. Biden and his son to be. Investigated, outside of the legality of him allowing to do that. And then when the Republicans brought their folks in, everyone pretty much said the same thing. Brian, have you been watching any of the impeachment stuff? Have you been paying attention to any of that? I've, you know, I've paid attention here and there. Um, obviously, it's on in the middle of the day, and um, I have to work during the day, unfortunately. So, like, you know, I can only get so much of it, and I, I value my sanity. So, I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to spend my evenings like. All right, I'm going to watch three hours of today's impeachment coverage. You know, I've read things here and there. I'll see people's reactions on uh, social media, Twitter mostly. Um, you know, read some articles, things like that. But you know, I wouldn't say I'm following it like incredibly close, but I have a general understanding of kind of what's going on. And uh doesn't look great for old, uh, old Trump. No, yesterday we had the, the, the flip-flopper in his own right, Gordon Sondland. On the on the on the stand, because before his closed door testimony and in his closed door testimony, he comes out and says that there's no quid pro quo and that, oh, nothing bad happened. And then whenever they remind him, hey, you're under oath and hey, you could go to jail for those things. His story changed awfully fast. And yesterday was not a very good day for Trump, who um, um, really 
said that he loved this guy because he gave a million dollars to his campaign to the point where he made him an ambassador. He paid to get a job in, in Washington, which the fact that that's not a big issue tells you everything you need to know about politics. But when he was on the stand yesterday, oh, by the way, Trump has said, oh, I don't know him very much since all the, <laughs> since the mm-hmm. tide changed and since he changed his mind. He said in a direct quote, there was a quid pro quo for arranging a White House visit working with Rudy Giuliani. He didn't just throw Rudy Giuliani under the bus. He even said that he did not want to work with him in in this whole thing. That was his own quote. But he also threw Secretary of State Mike Pompeo into it. You haven't seen, you haven't heard his name a ton. Yeah, you see it. You know, but he said that Pompeo knew what we were doing and why. <sighs> so it's not, it's not looking good. It looks like now first before we say, you know, the impeachment's going to go through. It's obviously going to. There's enough votes in the House. Oh, yeah. Everyone's saying the same thing. The stories are being corroborated. Everything is kind of lining up. He's not going to be ousted from office. No. There's not enough votes in the Senate. It's not going to happen. This is all just for politics right now. This is for optics. This is all just to make your side look one way, your side look the other. Depending on which news media you read, it's going really well for Trump or it's going really bad for Trump and really poorly for Trump. It all depends on who's talking to the Republicans. They're trying their darndest. They've got their bulldog Jim Jordan out there. It's um hasn't been a good couple of weeks for the state of Ohio, has it? No, Jim Jordan, uh, scumbag that he is, who, you know, attempted to cover up uh, rape, sexual Not assault. Well, he did. Sure. He's, he he still holds up a little history. Jim Jordan worked at Ohio State as an assistant wrestling coach and there was players who reached out to him saying, you know, inappropriate things happened with the team doctor and he turned it in and this is the same thing that, you know, Donald Trump said with Billy Bush is that it's all locker room talk. Locker room talk. That's what Jim Jordan keeps pushing away. He he's he hasn't given up that argument. So he's not attempting to cover it up. It sounds like he is full-fledged covering it up, but Apparently that that stick to itness and that gumption that they say that Jim Jordan has, he is the perfect person to go on to Capitol Hill and just treat people like total garbage, huh? Yeah, you know he's loyal. You know that's that's what they would say, right? He's loyal, uh, loyal to a fault. Um, is one way that you know some people might describe Jim Jordan. Um, yeah, I mean he's out there. He's attacking everything. He's bringing up all these, uh, him and, you know, his the other scumbag, Devin Nunes, that's the other bringing up all these conspiracy theories. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan. Uh, bringing up all these conspiracy theories and talking about, oh, you know, well, it wasn't that big of a deal. And, oh, you know, you never said that there was, you know, the their argument right now is that he never specifically used the words quid pro quo. So Donald Trump doesn't know what that means. So no, no crime here because you know it's the equivalent of um, I walk into a bank with a gun and I don't tell the teller to that I hey I'm I'm robbing the bank right here guys, but I tell the teller to give me the money, but I don't announce that I'm robbing the bank, and then I get you know then I stop. So hey I didn't commit a crime because you know the bank they the bank didn't get their money taken right. If nothing you know, bad actually happened, it's okay. Ukraine got the money. What's the big deal? The big deal is that it's been now from a lot of different witnesses that it was covered up until it became public. And then of course, this money was released. And then everything was fine. And if that's your argument, if anything, I feel like at this point, the Republicans should try to get this impeachment part over as quick as possible far enough away from the 2020 election that it doesn't have as big of a issue because the people questioning these folks, like you mentioned Nunes and, and Jordan they're they could come out of this, not looking too great. Now the, we, the argument is right. And Mitt Romney got caught saying this stuff, but it, it's still, there's an element of truth to it. The base is still going to be there. You're not going to lose the base. It's all about that base, but it's really hurting any prospects for folks outside of that base. 
Yes, that's that's their hope is that this keeps their 30, 35, 40% that are, you know, die hard uh regardless we're going to stick with Trump what and you that's hope both sides, yeah. Of course. But what you hope what they're hoping for they're banking on is you're going to keep those people fired up, you're going to keep those people uh getting out there, they're going to be motivated. This is going to help them go out because they're treating this like it's some kind of, you know, like a coup, right? right. They just, they keep, they've used that word witch numerous hunt. times. Yeah. Witch hunt coup that we're trying to nullify the results of the, uh, 2016 election, you know, things uh. like that to really using that kind of inflammatory language to really rally up and get that base to, you know, get out there and vote for Trump, uh, in, in 2020. Cause exactly like you said, uh, he's not he's not leaving office. The only way he's leaving office is if he's voted out. Right. And so there's a lot that's going to happen with the impeachment as the weeks go on. At first, they said that they were trying to get it done by the holidays, which felt like it was going to be a little far fetched. But now looking at it, it feels like the Democrats have finally narrowed down what their what their impeachment is going to be, what the offense is going to be. Right. And the Republicans really aren't hanging on to much no. but you mentioned about that election there was some other politics stuff happening last night and that was the democratic debate live from tyler perry studio in atlanta georgia bryant you watch more of the debate than i did i was planning on going on there and, and tweeting about the debate and watching it and getting involved and getting you know some, some fiery political conversations but some other things took me away from it so what what did I miss at the beginning? I, I I came in around the forty five minute mark. Um, you know, a lot of Elizabeth Warren was was the focus really. Um, she got the first question. Um, a lot of the questions, especially early on, it's interesting that a lot uh, how how much I think of kind of a front runner she is in a lot of people's eyes, because a lot of the questions were framed around her policies and her things that she's advocating for like you know nobody else really is advocating for the wealth tax but there was a wealth tax question where everyone kind mm -hmm. of talked about the wealth tax and you know really you know her and bernie are the biggest ones pushing for medicare for all um but uh, it was phrased in a way that talking about elizabeth warren now bernie piped in with his you know i wrote the damn bill um line that he's become it's a good for. line it's a good oh, it's, line. It, it's a fantastic line um, and then, you know, Biden just kind of stumbled over his words. It, it was weird. They didn't really seem to go to Biden very much. Um, which works out great for him. I was going to say there was, there was actually a conspiracy theory I read online that we're talking about that the media is in his pocket. And the reason they didn't go to him very much was because every time they did, he'd stumble over his words and make an ass of himself. Right. Um, so the less he talks, the better. I don't necessarily buy that. I just think it's a crowded stage and, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, they talked about they talked about health care like they always do. They talked about uh, impeachment. They talked about. <sighs> yeah, they talk, we got some some Trump conversation in there, which I know you love. No, I'm going to get on my soapbox real quick on the Trump stuff. We can't, and not we, just America, and I'm not going to let myself into the Democratic Party. Now, if you look at my voting record, you might think otherwise, but going, having your focus of beating Trump, that I feel like that's not the right focus. I feel like we all know what the prize is right now. We all know, and I think that a lot of the candidates imagine it to be easier once it gets to that point. Right now, it's very crowded. Everyone wants to, I mean, especially Kamala Harris, and we talked about this a lot. Kamala Harris, she's the one who focuses on Trump the most. Right. A lot of the questions I heard when I was able to watch it was the beginning was Trump did this, Trump did that, Trump did this. We were talking, I think they were talking about six months of paid family leave. Right. And she started it off with something about attacking Trump. I didn't know where they were going with it. And most of the time, these answers anyway are just all, all that same thing. They start off with something that doesn't really get them to their answer. It's what 
it's what the it is in Zootopia. They talk about in Zootopia when you have a politics question, a question you don't want to answer, you ask yourself a different question. You bring your own question into it, and that's what it felt like the time I was watching it was that right. they just turn it into what they want. But focusing on Trump, we all know that that's the goal. He didn't even win the last election. He had three million less votes than the, than Hillary Clinton did. So you know that you're going to have votes. You know you're going to have people motivated to vote for you. But you don't have to convince your base. Right. What no. are you doing to what are you doing to get those people that are on the fence? I mean, there was a stat that came out recently that two thirds of the people in the early states, so Iowa, New Hampshire, two thirds of the people are still undecided because I think nobody on the debate stage has positioned themselves away from the others. And and I'll say too, not only are you trying to reach the people that are undecided, you've got to try and reach the people that didn't vote last time. Right. And those people that, you know, Hillary didn't motivate them enough for whatever reason, you know, oh, it was going to be a the vote polling, for her. The polls. So, you know, you've got to get those people those people if they didn't view Trump as a threat the first time how do we know that they're still not blind to what that is but at the same time like you have to get those people like give them a reason to vote for you and it can't just be i'm not the other guy which is what all the arguments start off as unless you're certain candidates on the stage who Right. Or seem to be attacking their own party, seem to be attacking themselves, a.k.a. Comrade Gabbard. I, luckily, I did not see a lot from her. Tulsky. When I, when I did see Tulsky, she did start off with the rhetoric of both sides in this are really... Like, she's trying to separate herself, but you still need to not alienate the, that base. Tulsi is positioning herself for a third-party run. I know, you, you subscribe to the Hillary Clinton... <laughs> I, I absolutely do. I think Tulsi is there too. I, I don't subscribe to the I joke about the Russian plant stuff. I don't right, necess, right. I don't necessarily subscribe to that, you know, Putin is like pulling his puppet strings with Tulsi and is like, oh yeah, Tulsi's a Russian plant. No, I don't buy that. Mm-hmm. I do think Tulsi knows she's not gonna ha- get not gonna get the nomination from the Democratic Party. No. I think she's keeping her name out there because I think eventually she's gonna plan to run third party. Um, whether I think that is her trying to play spoiler, you know, maybe, maybe not. Um, or if she's just trying to build her brand or whatever the case may be, but either way, I really don't need to hear anything from her at this point. Right. Well, what was your favorite moment about the debate? What was your, your, your favorite moment of the night? Which Amy Klobuchar joke did you like the best? Um, you know, I really liked the one where she talked about legitimate things as being uh, pie in the sky and giving everybody diplomas. That was really, that was really a lot of fun. I love three me diplomas some, is excessive. I love me some Amy Klobuchar. Um, <laughs> she's such a Karen. Um, you know, I, I know, and I know it's a moment that you got really excited about that I saw the clips of. Uh, I guess we can get into it. Uh, Corey just. The Stone Cold Stunner. <laughs> okay, I have to set it up. Now, this is this is our second wrestling reference we're going to make tonight. But when you watch, used to watch old episodes of WWF, old meaning, you know, early 2000s, end of the right. 90s, you would have an episode where some guy's just brooding in the back the entire time, you know, where they're just pacing back and forth. Or maybe they're barred from coming into the ring. Stuff that, you know, Vince McMahon would do to Stone Cold Steve Austin and all oh, that. Yeah. And then... Right before the match is up. I mean, last night at the debate, there were maybe five minutes left. It's before, you know, we're getting into these closing statements. We're about to end the, the debate off. And it goes to Cory Booker. And Cory Booker goes after Joe Biden. And there was not a lot of going after each other. It was very subtle last night. You had yeah. moments between, like, Steyer and Biden, which was kind of odd for Joe. You mentioned the conspiracy there and not letting him talk a lot. He didn't seem too coherent. And no. what he was talking, he was attacking the record of a really rich person who's put a ton of money into helping the the earth. He was bringing up old old stuff from him, um, but he Corey comes out. He you hear that glass break, and the don't glass break. Don't, 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 don't. 
the glass break moment was whenever he called out Biden for saying that he didn't think that marijuana should be legalized. And Corey's line was that, Joe, honestly, I thought you were high when you said it. And the entire room was just like, oh, oh, God. And then that's when Corey does the Stone Cold Sunner to Joe Biden and just lays him out. And then he's standing over his body. By God. Chucking, the, chucking the chugging the beers, throwing oh, the God. throwing the birds at him, telling him pretty much that you know what, marijuana is already legal for white people, and that people in affluent situations don't get arrested for for marijuana possession. They don't go to prison for marijuana possession, and saying that it's only illegal for for black and brown people, and people are just going crazy in the auditorium. People are cheering as he's saying this, and I. I don't think I saw, you know, that was the moment of the debate, honestly. And and Corey needed a moment. Is this going to be the yeah. thing that catapults him up? I, I don't know. I think there's a lot that's happening over the next few weeks, especially with Deval Patrick now in the race, that eh. Co- Corey is definitely closer to the center. He's more of a moderate Democrat. But he hasn't really shown that too much. He hasn't shown it in his positions. He hasn't shown it in the things that he has throughout his career agreed with. He talks about working together and working across the aisle, but he's still kind of lined up with these left different values. You're going to see, especially the Patrick guy, I think it's going to change some stuff. I think people are now afraid because, I mean, if you look back at his this guy's history, I was listening to a podcast earlier this week about it where, I mean, Deval Patrick, he won in 2006 using a lot of strategies that Obama used in 2008. Right. He had David Axelrod as his as his campaign manager back in 2006. Like he a lot of the Democratic Party of the strength that they've had over the last 13 years minus the presidential election of 2016 has come from him. He's not a bad politician. He's closer to the middle and he's going to bring a lot of people that two-thirds that stat that's probably why he's in the ring now. Oh, sure. I think he's so an having these moments, I think Corey has to fight off these people because he's at the end of right now. He's not qualified for December debate. Right. And he's got, I mean, since then I got a message from him because I subscribed to some of the candidates out there. He's made $700,000 since last night's debate ended. There it is. So he's yeah. now he's got to move up in the polls. He's got to get up there. But man, it was for me. That was a moment. The close second was, um, Amy Klobuchar saying about Pete Buttigieg that, hey, if if a woman was out here with the same experience as Pete Buttigieg, she would not be out here. And I, you know, and, and you know, my feelings on Amy Klobuchar are well documented. I, I disagree vehemently with her uh, viewpoint, with her method, with how she views the world. Asking people of how they pay for things, yeah. Um, but that was a absolutely spot on. Uh, yeah. abs- absolutely great point. I completely agreed with with that because it's absolutely true. Yeah, it's the the candidates though. They really you had the Booker moment. You had some small moments. Pete didn't get a lot. I think the other candidates see his polling numbers as kind of a flash in the pan, kind of waiting for the long game, see what's yeah. going to happen with those numbers. I don't think it's going to stay like that. I think it's just he's focused so much on Iowa, right. That that's his main, that's his main goal right now. I think they're waiting, but hopefully in December, man. I I thought the debate was kind of overall. Oh, it was incredibly boring. I mean, I I was disappointed that I turned off uh, episode one, the Phantom Menace. That says a lot to watch that because I think Jar Jar um, might have been more entertaining than uh, than some of the stuff that was going on on there. Yeah. Well, what was your favorite moment outside of the, the Booker Stone Cold Stunner? Um, you know, I'm trying to think of what else. I mean, I really liked, uh, like I said, I really liked the Klobuchar, just because I thought that was a really great point. Um, Kamala going off on Tulsi was pretty great. <laughs> uh, just mm-hmm. because, again, Tulsi's, yeah. <laughs> like the the look that Kamala gave her, uh, Andrew Andrew Yang. I know you don't like the uh, the Trump stuff, but asking Andrew Yang what his uh, 
first words would be if he was on a call with Putin and he he said the first words he'd say to Putin if he were president was sorry I beat your boy. <laughs> <laughs> I like Yang. I like he's got I I don't have flavor. Yeah, I like I'm, that. I'm, uh, he's got that attitude. I'm never going to vote for him uh, unless he somehow wins the the you know nomination and then I I'll vote for my left shoe over Trump <laughs> at this point. But he's he's at least I mean he's funny. He's entertaining. I think he's I think his UBI idea, the freedom dividend, I think is is absolutely brilliant because I mm-hmm. think it's something I've read some on and I think it's I think it's important long term. But, you know, I, but he. But what? I'm, I'm, I lost you. You got so fired up. I think you muted your computer. I'm still here. Can you hear me now? Okay. I can hear you now. Good. Yeah. I just, I think he's just something different. I mean, I, I, I don't trust uh, rich people in general. <laughs> but as a general rule, I just don't. But. You know, I think he's at least he's got some ideas that I think make a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, we're going to end tonight off. I want to do a little word association, name association. I've got 10 names here, Bryant. Okay. I'm going to list these names and then you're going to give me one word that you think about this person. The first word that comes to your mind when I say this name. Okay. I'm not going to give you time to explain it or expand on it. We're just going to end the show off with some of your raw emotions, raw feelings about some names that have been floating throughout the the current events of our days. All right. I got 10 of them. First one, one word response. Are you ready? Yes. We'll see about that. All right. Miles Garrett. Unfortunate. I can take that. All right. Kanye West. Lost it. (laughs) (laughs) That's two words. It's close enough. All right. Pete Buttigieg. 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 Weasel. Jim Jordan. Scumbag. Barack Obama. Misguided. That's a whole nother podcast. We got to expand on that one. All right. Mason Rudolph. MAGA. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. That was a really long pause. Uh, Amy Klobuchar. Hmm. I'm trying to think of something other than Karen. All right, I'll move on to the next one. You lost your chance. You said too many words there. Okay. Deval Patrick. Meh. Mauricio Pochettino. Sad. Sad. Last one. This is the big one. Santa Claus. Real. There you go. See, that wasn't too bad. No. I feel like we all learned a little bit about you. Um, we learned that you still don't know what you think about Amy Klobuchar, or at least into you can't get it into one word. Um, no. Well, everybody, thank you so much for for really listening to us. Bryant, um, you you had one-word answers. People can give us a lot more than one-word answers, right? How, how can they reach out to us? Um, so you can follow uh, the show's podcast, the show's Twitter uh, we are at Bryant and me on Twitter. We're also at the same uh, username on Instagram. If you want to give us a follow there, we spend a lot more time on Twitter. Yeah, we don't uh, post much on Instagram. But if you, you know, if you're bored, want to check us out on Instagram, <laughs> go for it by all means. Um, you know, you can listen to the pod on your podcast app of choice. I think we're on pretty much all of them at this point. We're on nine of them. I would really urge you to go back and listen to our interview with Jeremy uh, oh, Holland yeah. from Chris early in the week. If you haven't checked that out, highly recommend. Fantastic interview. They really, you know, if that doesn't motivate you to get out there and do something, then I don't think anything will. Hashtag new Americans. Absolutely. And anybody that disagrees with that, I don't know what to tell you. 
Uh, <laughs> also consider something that Jeremy mentioned on that pod, checking out the Kindness Cup um, over at Endeavor Brewing. They're collecting um, you know, winter accessories. They're ex- looking for hats, gloves, scarves, thing to help our, you know, our new American uh, brothers and sisters to help keep them warm. Uh, you know, it gets pretty cold here in Columbus. So highly uh, urge you to check that out. Give if you can help folks out or check out Chris to see how else you could help. Um, you can follow me. I'm at pickle chip hey. with, with ones instead of the eyes. You can follow Thomas at one Thomas Costello, the number one, then Thomas Costello. Correct. Anything else you want to add before we go, sir? no, Tell people about the podcast. Send us a review if you want. Either way, we're still going to keep making them. Thank you so much for everybody that listens. And honestly, we're thankful for anybody who decides to to listen to our podcast. For Thanksgiving, I'm thankful for for your friendship, Brian, and just keeping um, keeping one night a week lined up to talk about really the most pressing issues. And I'm glad that I'm doing that with you. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself, sir. All right. Well, then don't. Have a great night, everybody. Adios. Bye. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Oh.